0: Hello and welcome to creative sessions with creative people the show by creatives for creatives with me your host Alan Grant Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Creative Sessions with Creative People. Thank you so much for joining me. I am your host, Alan. And on this episode, I am speaking to the one, the only, Kieran Darcy, or Darce, as you might know him, on the Irish music scene. He is a fantastic up-and-coming singer and songwriter, and we had a great, great interview. So without any further ado, let's get straight into my wonderful interview with the one and only Kieran Darcy. So it is my privilege, it is my honor to bring out my guest this week to introduce you to an actor, to a musician, and more importantly, to a cork man he is known as darcy is rocking the irish music scene please ladies and gentlemen welcome my guest mr kieran darcy kieran welcome to the show how are you
1: i am fantastic what an intro my god and i, I like the order obviously cork being first that's the most important thing cork before everything else the,
0: the real capital you know <laughs> to every cork man but yeah
1: man, thank you so much for having me and just wanted to say this is such a great idea and fair play i mean geez like and also like just in terms of getting the the chance to reconnect, Um, like we were saying kind of before we went on air, just a chance to reconnect with people over the pandemic, Um, particularly like from a creative point of view, because like, you know, I think creators, were always like the busiest people in the world, trying to figure out our ideas, Um, and just having the chance to to reconnect and kind of like delve in and and just have a chat for the sake of chatting, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you know, absolutely, well, First of all, you're very welcome to the show. I mean, like uh, you're one of the first people I was thinking when I was doing this, I have to have you on ASAP, you know, not only just to have you on, but as an excuse, as you just said, to have a catch up because I suddenly realized I haven't talked to you in near five years. I know that's insane, man. But I think like, uh,
1: like, again, like the crazy thing about this whole pandemic, and I think Because I I do think creatives are the people, because we're constantly on, you know, in terms of, you know, writing, uh, in terms of putting on productions or making music or whatever. There's always something that's kind of on. And I think we actually lose track of time or we tend to lose track of who we're talking to. Because, again, you know, we're also surrounded by other creatives when we're working together. But it's that case of kind of like we kind of move from circle to circle of creatives. That we're working with and it's very much yeah I don't know if you find that like essentially you finish one project you have your family from there and then it kind of moves on to the next family have you found that kind of annoying
0: yeah definitely because I suppose as you say working as creatives you're doing that many projects I mean it's not like I suppose a regular nine-to-five where you see the same people yeah. you know nothing against nine-to-fives uh, I've worked on myself in my time but you know you're seeing the same people uh, pretty much all year mm. but as a creative doing acting doing writing uh, musicians you know you're seeing lots of different people for lots of different projects mm-hmm. so it's almost like a revolving door of people in and out of your yeah. life almost exactly
1: and i think what even makes it more interesting is just how intense that relationship is i mean you know yourself like from doing a play like that relationship is so intense for like however once you're doing that play and then it's so strange because it's like it's it's like a relationship that is tent particularly in theater or to like a music gig like I'll be around before a gig, just hanging out with my band and we'll be rehearsing, rehearsing, rehearsing. And then you tentpole and you complete that event. And it's like, this is such a weird dynamic to meet people in, you know, because it's not it's not like a regular kind of occurrence of meeting someone. It's like, you're both building this thing together and you kind of meet as teammates and coworkers, but it's also like in a creative space, which is so interesting. Like.
0: And do you know what? I remember the first time I met you, you uh, was actually through an acting workshop that I was doing.
1: <laughs> It was. It was a great one, man. Yeah, you were one of the one of the, one of the two people who showed up for it. <laughs> oh, there was way more <laughs> than that, man. Way more. But I remember you taught us about kind of like doing even going through the routines of your character and the warm ups. And like, that was, it was such a like brilliant atmosphere. Like, I think you're just a natural teacher in terms of that way. Like, oh, the way you're you. kind of like, you get information out. Like, I really enjoyed those acting workshops. And like, I don't know, it just felt like you made, like, created this really nice atmosphere. And I think that's one thing as well. That is kind of like a different in terms of the creative it is all about the atmosphere to kind of give people that platform you know to to perform and that's also something that's missing about like during kind of the pandemic is that you know you don't get to go in a room and have this shared atmosphere it's all all through zoom which
0: is mental you know yeah i know and i i don't know about you but i've seen my fair share of zoom i've seen too much of zoom i'm getting sick of zoom i want to get back to the rehearsal room i did not mean for that to rhyme uh... <laughs>
1: skills poet and I didn't even know it um, but yeah man a hundred percent like I think the rehearsal room and in particularly in theater and in kind of in music and everything really it's really kind of like it's it is like I know people it's a cliche but it's a sacred space but it's really that kind of space where you get to it's really where the work goes down really isn't it it's yeah. that place and it's where you get like the kind of I don't know you kind of discover things there and it's like one of the only safe places is because once you go on stage, and I, I think it's the same for you. Like once you go on stage, I for me, I go blank. Like I just, I'm just trying to like be in every moment and try and take it in. And like I kind of your subconscious so just goes, and um, I don't know how do you find that kind of rehearsal room versus being on stage kind of change.
0: Well, I always love the rehearsal room because like it's a collaborative effort obviously, and I think that's where mm. you can make your mistakes, as I'm sure you found yourself. That's where you make the mistakes. That's where you yeah. experiment. That's where you try new things. And obviously, when you get on the stage, it's the finished product. But um, mm. I think there's only been a couple of times I think I went blank on stage, you now that I think about it. like, uh, And it was more with the more intense mm. plays. I remember the first time in college doing The Importance of Being Earnest, and I was playing Algernon, and the uh, my co-actor who was doing Jack, he was... Because it was such a... At the time, it was such an intimidating play to do because you had to have everything word perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't do anything. Uh, you couldn't improvise. You couldn't ad lib. Every line had to be exactly as it had to be. And uh, he was waffling on yeah. uh, with some big monologue. And I'm looking at him going, I have no clue what my next line is.
1: No way.
0: Now, thankfully, and when he finished, it. I'm sure it was only maybe something like five seconds yeah. until I responded to him. But it felt like about... Year. it felt like a lifetime yeah it's like, amazing like time just stood still and I just remember the audience looking at me and I'm thinking what am I supposed to say here but we got through oh, um that's so interesting because
1: it's actually amazing because it's that moment of kind of because again like you're like I think they talk about like that kind of dual kind of brain aspect where there's kind of like two parts of your brain is working while you're acting on stage there's also like that part that is your character but then there's also the actor who needs to go to like the mark and hits needs to remember their line and like dance yeah and it's such a weird experience like i I mean for me as soon as i get off stage i'm for anything really i can't remember anything that went on on stage like i cannot remember what performance like i like have given i just can't remember like literally anything um which is quite weird because it also takes me but then again at the same time i feel i don't know about you but have you ever like brought emotions from the stage like i find it very hard to shake off emotions do you find that
0: i think depends on the role depends on the character i think like if you're doing a good comedy piece or you know you know that you've got the audience hooked and they're laughing at what you're doing or you're showing a good ad lib or an improv that the audience really responds Mm. to you are generally coming off the stage absolutely buzzing i remember um One of the plays, one of the plays I did, uh, The Kill, and I was playing Mr. Black, and I, oh, thank you very much, but I remember coming off the stage and just so full of, just so full of, of of just raw emotion because Mm -hmm. it's such an, it was such an intense, an intense piece, Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so those kind of emotions, like when you really connect with the character, and when, you know, when it's so intense and so raw, it's, it's hard not to come off the stage, and you know, you you can't generally shake it off, Mm -hmm. it takes you a while.
1: Yeah, like I—that's like—and also the kill is a fantastic play. Uh, just to to say everyone Alan's talent as a writer, but um, essentially, <laughs> yeah, I had something very similar. I think the most traumatic one that I, I did this play. It was Mike Bartlett's Cock, which was hilariously named. But uh, essentially, <laughs> it involved a very—I um, did it in the Granary Theatre with an amazing director called John O'Donovan in Cork. And essentially, I I came off the stage and on the last performance, and it's a very tough last scene and like it's a very it's a very kind of minimal production it's kind of like there's no real props or anything like that it's all your words and kind of the last scene I came off and I remember just being I just like lay down like at the very last point I was like I'm done I was just like I'm so tired and I was just kind of like that emotion and it took me I don't know like I felt like that emotion hung over me for hours and hours and it kind of I don't know it kind of like almost the psyche of like a character kind of alters your state um which is very weird because you have like all different mannerisms and and mm-hmm. that kind of aspect and, and changing your own mannerisms um for the character and then changing it back is, is a very kind of tough process um but yeah how do you find that like do you keep some of your mannerisms when you like as it changed you when you go into character and stuff like that
0: um i can't think of any specific examples like maybe mm-hmm. i like, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm sure there has been uh I think a lot of the characters in a weird way a lot of the comic characters that I play because uh would generally just be an extension of me anyway (laughs) Um,
1: you are pretty funny like you're
0: (laughs) like um yeah so yeah I can't pinpoint any anything specific uh specific characteristics that would remain with me but I do know that you do need to definitely catch your breath um after a performance and I think when you're when you're on a buzz and you know what's going well you do have that adrenaline rush and you're just on a high and you don't you yeah. don't come down until the next day and as i say with the more of the tense roles i think mm-hmm. they do tend to take a lot out of you and you can feel like the raw emotion of the crowd as well and um yeah you, you kind of want to stay in that moment almost you don't want you don't want to leave
1: that high oh my god i i understand well actually speaking of buzz it's like i suppose you know i definitely being obviously doing in kind of music and kind of theater and all those other things I definitely miss the buzz of that pre I even miss the pre show like kind of nerves like how do you find do you miss the buzz this year specifically kind of like that way
0: definitely definitely yeah I mean yeah the buzz is just something that I that I'm totally missing and um as we spoke before we came on air and we were saying, like, even before doing, a, you know, something like this, doing a podcast, you get those butterflies in your stomach. And it's mm. it's just nice to have that feeling again, even though it's not the same as being on stage. But, you know, it's just nice to it's, it's a different medium, it's a different outlet, but it's just really, really nice to have that uh, to have that feeling again, just to feel, to feel those yeah. butterflies, to feel those good nerves.
1: Good ner- I I, I you get good nerves. I'm, I am a lunatic before I go on stage. Like I go through, like I was actually very funny. I think with music and like as opposed to theater, there's like actually like a difference of nerves because I think in theater you can kind of hide behind your character and you're not ex- like, there's no pressure, like unless you're doing a comedy in some cases, but like there's no real pressure to get a reaction out of the crowd because usually there, there's, you know, the crowd is kind of like out of view. They're in the darkness, whereas music, like, I think the, like, I love the warmer process of theater and I feel kind of more confident but then when it goes to like music cause you see the crowd and there's kind of this, this kind of like collective Coliseum vibe um, where you're going out into like a big crowd. Um, and I said like, and also because they can touch you and not anymore but um, they used to be able, like, they used to be able to like touch you and are grabbing or they could boo you and are like, you know there's also like, you only have a set like amount of time to kind of Get their trust, um, and it's such a—I don't know—it's just such a crazy dynamic, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm—I—I I used to play piano. Basically, I couldn't hey! play. A, I couldn't. I couldn't play a lick. Now, I've never know. been totally. I've never been musical, so I've never been on stage. Uh. Uh, you know, pl- playing music. So obviously, I can only imagine the difference between the energy of the crowd and the circumstance of the performance. Obviously. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so how, how, on a Another note: How did you get your start in music? Because that's a big interest to you as well as theatre. So
1: yeah, well, I suppose for for music it was quite interesting. It was 2017 um, 18 when I started like releasing music, and essentially I didn't have a clue. So I was very very lucky in that I just kind of put together a press release of this EP um, that I, I wrote called Sunset, and it was kind of like I was very green. I was just put it out there. Um, And then I got really, really lucky. I didn't even have a Facebook page set up for my music or like any social media account. I was like, you know, I just want to make music. I don't actually, because I didn't expect anything to to come of it. Mm. And it was kind of like just a a hobby aspect. But then when I sent it out, essentially, um, uh, I sent it to like all these blogs and radio stations. And basically, uh, people started picking it up. Um, So I was really, really lucky. It got like, I was named Irish Times New Artist of the Week. Um, I went over to, to London to do some radio interviews, uh, it got some play off like uh, 2FM, it got spotted like playlist Spotify and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry I said that wrong, playlisted by Spotify, that's Spotify <laughs> playlist, but uh, but yeah no, so essentially um, yeah that's kind of where it kind of all started and it kind of just kept kind of growing from there and I was like oh wow there's actually kind of like an interest in the music and, and there was kind of like positive um, kind of like I don't know how to, not even validation but kind of like you know, people were saying like, yeah, this is actually quite good and we'd be interested to hear, hear more. So why not give it a shot kind of thing. Um, and also like I with anyone putting out new music or even new theater and new creative work, like I would definitely just put it out there and, and see what happens. And like, if you do your homework and send it to the right people and, and kind of give it a go, you'll never know what happens. Like, and I mean, I didn't know I was in the Irish Times for like two months. So Really? <laughs> yeah, no idea. Absolutely no. I actually was- getting... How did
0: you find that out?
1: I Googled uh, my music <laughs> because I was looking for like an instrumental that I saved. And then I was like, this is me in Irish times. And then I was like, Oh my God. Um, so yeah, uh, that's how it happened. Which is insane. So yeah, yeah. But
0: again, but very, very, very gratifying and good, good advice there. Yeah. You, you got to be proactive. You got to put yourself out there. You can't be afraid to to, to, to really go for it. Like, Cause you don't know what happens unless you try. So that's really exactly. good advice.
1: And, and you know, I mean like even in terms of like, the idea of gonna like fail like like or even like feeling like something's not ready or, or something like that like like I literally I think everyone I've talked to has never felt like oh a song's done or a theater piece is done or uh, they've done like a performance 100% well either like acting and they just like yeah like it's it's that weird kind of process of trying to like I don't know it's, it's very strange like you it's almost like you're putting out it's unfish, unfinished and it's always going to be unfinished which is an amazing kind of thing
0: about yeah. it well, it was great seeing you go from strength to strength because, mm. um, like, definitely. So you're 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 known as Darce now.
1: Yeah, basically, that's that's taken over my name. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's actually hilarious. Like having a picking an artist name is the most ridiculous thing in music. Like mm. the variations I went through that we won't speak of ever, <laughs> ever again. There's some demos that have my old names on it, and I was like, "What in God? Like, was like, was I okay? Was I good? Like, I'm very concerned. It was, they were just awful. Um, but I think every artist kind of goes through that when you're trying to pick a name. And you're like, "Oh my God! <laughs> like, how did that? How did I think that sounded good? Um, but yeah yellow marshmallow but
0: uh gang, gang, gang. was that was that one of the names yellow marshmallow
1: <laughs> no it was probably worse but uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I'm please not, welcome not... to the stage yellow <laughs>
0: marshmallow <laughs> well
1: there's a guy called marshmallow i mean look i suppose it's not about the name it's uh, it's about the music um in many cases and i suppose if you have a bad name sometimes it can actually grab attention because the people are just like that is the worst name i've ever heard after hearing mm. this so uh, well, yeah. but i think
0: Dars though is nice it's simple it's effective and you know, mm. it's you know, it's just a shortening your last name, you know. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly a very efficient name as well. So like very cleverly done.
1: Yeah, well, look, not to not to be confused with Mr. Darcy as we did in Leaving Circuit while we read Pride and Prejudice or Genus or whatever, uh, which was the bane of my existence is probably why I, I chose not to say Darcy, because just every time we read like Mr. Darcy, yeah, Mr. Darcy, everyone looked yeah. at me and laugh and I was like, I hate, <laughs> I hate this um so i was like oh real mature guys like how many pages is like over 300 pages at least and just every time mr darcy came up there i would just get a look from someone I'm like i like i just i wanted to do jane eyre basically
0: uh but yeah well, say so, you know it's not a bad mr darcy not a bad nickname i'd rather that than what i was called harry potter
1: harry potter what, yeah
0: I Used to have the round glasses and I had the the, uh, the bowl haircut as well. This is in primary school now, not in secondary school. <laughs> but that's
1: um, uh, it, Well, at least hey, that's a great story. I would have loved to have been called Harry Potter, that would have been the coolest thing. Like, I, I got Ron Weasley, like, I guess, still get Ron Weasley, um, which is mad. Actually, I actually quite have quite a funny story in terms of being mistaken for someone. Um, okay, we'll
0: go on, we might as well pursue this line of inquiry. <laughs> yeah, I know, now,
1: now we've been it. So, obviously. When I was, I went like on a on a trip to Amsterdam, um, and I used to like live in Amsterdam quite briefly. And essentially, I used to go to the the, the kind of Van Gogh museum um, in terms of just to look around. And obviously, I'm ginger and I have a ginger beard. And I wandered in there one day, and I was wearing like quite old, like and kind of old style shirt um, in terms of that way. And I was wandering around just by myself, I My was looking at the art, and then. I noticed people started looking at me quite strangely. I was like, oh no. And then eventually people started coming up to take photos of me. I was like, this is very confusing. And I was like, man, my beard, me obviously being an idiot, I was like, man, my beard must look really good today. I mean, I must be just, (laughs) this might be the best beard day I've ever had in my life. And then obviously someone was like, oh, you're an actor meant to be Vincent. And I was like, what? Um, so, oh.
0: so they thought I was he or an installation. Yeah,
1: so they thought I was an installation walking at the museum because I was by myself with this big ginger beard and I was dressed like very old style. and um, so now I only wear tracksuits going to museums basically. But uh,
0: I'm sure I'm sure you still pose for the photographs. Yeah,
1: well I couldn't get I out. I like I couldn't get out, like so <laughs> I didn't understand because obviously there was like there's people from like Italy and Spain, and I <laughs> I was very confused. I was just like, oh man, look at me. I mean, look, I'm telling you, maybe they haven't seen a ginger person. Maybe I'm extremely pale. I don't know. But uh, so maybe they were like, wow, this man is glowing because it was quite sunny. So they're probably like, what? Um, but yeah, that's just, and then I thought it was insulation. And they were asking me questions about the art. And I was like, I have, I have no idea. Like, so, <laughs> you just make it. Yeah, up. <laughs> I was like, oh, I wrote this when I was, uh, I was eating a cucumber. I don't know. But, uh,
0: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So Kieran, just to return then to your, to your music itself. So obviously Darce, um, your musical persona and your act really kicked off in 2017. Uh, And again, fair play for putting yourself out there and just putting it all on the line. And, you know, you, you took a risk, took a gamble and it worked, Mm. but you know, you're being proactive and that's what you have to be in these, in these industries, uh, whether it's music, whether it's acting, but, you know, and I've listened to some of your tracks as well. Like, I mean, you know, Who Are You Loving Now? and uh, and Get Up are great, great tracks. And I really love the kind of, it's amalgamation of uh, kind of hip hop, pop, and I would say rap as well. Like really, 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 really intriguing stuff. And uh, I suppose just based on your genres, like who would have been your musical influences growing up?
1: God, everyone. I mean, literally like you're talking, anyone from like Kings of Leon to 50 Cent to literally anything I could get my hands on. And I suppose, yeah obviously I think growing up in a rural uh, area um, there's kind of like you know there, I think there's still that like fascination even with streaming like I think there's a fascination with cool bands and trying to discover bands and and kind of also just trying to like find what's cool because again like when you're in a, a small town usually you can't go see the big cities so you're just trying to like experience them through music or get an idea of what it would be like to be like in a big city or listening mm. to people from New York and stuff like that but I think what's, what's kind of was awesome essentially like about the music thing was that like music taste was that there was like so much um like kind of influence from everything and also it was very funny I think like the kind of reason why I've gone for the genres I've gone is almost like a, a kind of rebellious aspect because my parents used to play like country music all the time and it's <laughs> yeah. actually I was like I am not like I am doing whatever the opposite to country music is, I'm gonna make that. <laughs> which is which is pretty much how I uh, chose my music really.
0: I could just imagine them. Kieran, why don't you do a cover of Friends in Low Places?
1: <laughs> or the gambler. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Also, like, I just remember the Debs. Then again, like, if it was, I remember the Debs, I did sing uh, some country songs, uh, some Dixie Chicks. uh, But, like, I think everyone sings it. Like, we all have, like, that set songs. But also, I think it's trying to, like, I I don't know. In my case, I was, like, trying to break the stereotype of, like, what Irish music is. um, And yeah, experiment, which is the fun part, man. I mean, music is is something where, and regardless of kind of what you listen to, but, like, I think in music and, and also writing, obviously, you being a writer as well, but it's, like, you kind of... I don't know it's like you're an author to your own style uh, with music and like particularly like you take a little bit of like something you like or or, like from this person oh that might be interesting oh but i actually want to do like i know like i want to take for like who you love now i want to take like electro pop and listen to like uh, or like a little bit of like, you know, Deadman Sins or, or something like that. And then you kind of create yourself through your influences. And I think that's that's probably the same for writing in many ways, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, you, you got to find your own voice. You got to find what works mm. for you. And yeah, you, you obviously growing up with your influences, you might say, okay, I will t- take a little bit from column A, a little bit from column mm. B because I like that. And I think I can put a new spin on it or I can make it work for me or I can take what they've done and just approach it in a different way. Mm and adapt it to suit, to suit me so yeah it's all about finding your finding your own voice and drawing from your influences absolutely yeah well man even like you do that like in terms of the kill
1: it's like this beautiful kind of like alternate version to like the dumb waiter and in bruges and it's got this beautiful its own mixture as well and i just it's kind of like along those genres but then it has like this twist of like your own humor and it's a lovely like it's also like at a different pace and rhythm to it as well and i just thought that was really cool and it's like Taking the genre and creating like it yourself, and that's I thought like yeah no the kill was was wicked like I just remember reading it and just being like oh my god that's so interesting because you kind of like when you've read the dumb waiter when when you've kind of like seen a bruise and kind of these standout like these kind of like performances and then you see like oh my god there's actually like a new way or there's a new interpretation that's completely unique in this genre and in this world and man fair play like I thought that was great like it's such a lovely twist
0: yeah and you know what it's funny that. You might, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you might accidentally um, take inspiration from something without meaning to, or maybe subconsciously mm. you might, you might have, without thinking about it. Because I remember when we did that play in one performance, we had a reviewer in who was, um, a part of the subject matter of the play was, um, you know, a guy's fiance has just been murdered and, uh, you know, The the guy in question is part of the mob, and it was murdered by his uh, or she was murdered by his father's right hand man, and he wants a proper burial for her, but they just want to dispose of her. Mm. But our reviewer drew on that, and she she picked up on that, and she was um saying and comparing it to Antigone which wow. is all about, which is a Greek tragedy, yeah. which I never really thought about. And I did that play in college. So I think I must have subconsciously just drew on this. I don't know why, but she did focus on that for a majority of the review, but it was because that in that play, uh, we have Antigone uh, whose brother has been killed and, you know, yeah. he betrayed the Republic. He betrayed the kingdom. She yeah. wants a proper burial for him, but the King Creon, he won't do it. Oh my God. So it's kind of funny. So I'm wondering, did you ever experience anything like that in your
1: Yes, music
0: where someone has pointed something out to you that you mightn't have necessarily thought about but yeah
1: and uh, actually like it's it's so strange because th- i think one thing in music is is that there is comparisons but even like on that point of the writing it's so interesting that he kind of took like one play whereas i like took a whole different line of trail of inspiration like i was going down one route of like don't wait a route. she's gone down the greek tragedy route and um, which is so interesting to see how like you know, these things can kind of, people have these, like, interpretations of art in yeah. that way, and, like, the connections. And also, you think you know where the inspiration, that just shows, like, you think you know where the inspiration comes from, but a lot of the time, you actually don't, in terms of, like, you know, it's your interpretation of what inspired them to make this, um, yeah. which is exciting about art. But, yeah, in terms of music, for sure, like, I've been compared, like, I think the one I've, I've gotten recently, which is actually funny, because I didn't start listening to him. I listened to him, and essentially... Like he's probably the the most common. Not that I'm um, anywhere near as talented as this amazing artist, but like some people have kind of mentioned, like you know, uh, an artist similar like the style of, of like Childish Gambino in terms of just how the the wording and the subject matter, and um, in terms of that, like he's an absolute amazing artist who I actually didn't yeah. like. I listened to years and years ago, but like before I was making music. And then it's funny that like I don't know. It's interesting because it's almost like oh my god, like he's you know they maybe you know, kind of that aspect is just a subconscious thing, like you said, and and then also like, obviously I've been kind of compared to like other Irish uh, artists, which is always like amazing as well. And, you know, it's not the case of just, um you know, saying like anything like similar, but it's just interesting that people would pick that thing and, and kind of like say, oh, this person sounds like that. And it's also, I think there's this interesting thing of kind of where we like, we kind of clump things together, like subconsciously um, mm. as, as people who like take in art, you know, we automatically think oh this is x so this is kind of it reminds me of y so therefore they're together whereas just kind of like some cases there's obviously like complete differences but it's yeah it's just an interesting kind of human condition i guess
0: yeah that that's what i love about it i love that uh you could put on a play or you could Mm -hmm. do go to a live music gig you know whether it's a play whether it's any form of writing whether it's music Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's a film i just love the fact that people can view it and see different things so no one person is going to see the same thing, mm-hmm. especially I suppose in music and, and, and in plays and, and that live experience, they're going to take different things away from it. Well they're going to see man. different things.
1: Uh, but yeah, like even the lyrics as well. I mean, obviously yourself as a writer, I mean, you might have one kind of interpretation of, of something and like, you know, and I really like how like kind of ambiguous your writing is as well. Like there's so many kind of like aspects to it as well. And it's, it's really interesting. And I think like you can, I think the lyrics is also the exciting thing because again a lyric could mean like three different things to three different people you know which is fascinating yeah
0: and then it, there's the difference as well between the way it's written on the page and then the way it's performed you know yeah. intonation you know with pitch mm-hmm. uh, all, all these different things play play into it i mean it's a little bit like I, i'm sure you remember this back in secondary school looking at the books of poetry yeah uh, and there could be one person in the class t- taking it completely literally and then you know she has to point out oh well actually there's like a you know euphemism or there's uh, you, you know it, it doesn't mean exactly what it says on the page there's an analogy there yeah. or, and that kind of thing There's a metaphor well, you know
1: exactly and I think even the, the fascinating thing about that in terms of you know when you approach art is that like in many cases I think it's so interesting because then you look at like the role of a writer you know because a writer will write something but then the director will like apply this kind of visual interpretation of art and the, uh, you know, it's also what's going on around the words as well. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that case, there could be an action that like if you write something and even like similar to music, like, you know, you'll see lyrics printed out, but then obviously you don't hear the melody um, to that as well. And you don't hear the energy of the song. And also, I suppose, like, for music in particular, like, cause you're creating, um, it is kind of like acting in a bit in terms of you're creating this kind of, I don't know, like, Pop culture version of yourself um, when you go on stage and and like it is kind of creating creating a character and and kind of because like I mean music is, is terrifying to like perform live and you know you need something that character whether it's like that flashy clothing or or something or even the music just to hide behind and um, like I couldn't mm-hmm. open my eyes when I was performing for the first three gigs uh, really so uh, which is metal but yeah I think it's I think to go on stage in, in front of that many people. I think a, a lot of people need something to hide behind, whether it be a character and whether it be music or whether it be like a jacket, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I, I suppose at the time when you started, like, um, I am I suppose when you first became Dars and you got your big, um, mm. like, you start doing gigs under, under, under that banner, like, were they your first gigs or did you do gigs, like, when you were younger, maybe?
1: First, I'll actually tell you a master. So my first proper gig was actually at a showcase for like an Irish showcase called Music, uh, music Week Cork and it's basically um, it's kind of like an ins- it's like an industry thing where a number of amazing people in the Irish music industry um, invite a bunch of artists to perform for this music conference where a bunch of industry professionals come along and they kind of review you see like Philly Taggart from BBC One you have uh, just like uh, record labels and um, kind of there checking out publishers um, and so that was my first ever gig um, and that was insane. Um, you know, that was my first time ever being on stage, and I was like performing in front of these people, <laughs> um, which is a quite an interesting thing because they actually take notes. So like they they'll take notes on you, and then they'll go to the the next one, to the next artist, so they'll check you out. Um, and it was just such a such a buzz um, to to play there. And I I'm telling you like the nerves um, that were there. And essentially like then a couple couple days later, uh, I like supported. I sported Sean Kingston um, at Cypress Avenue uh, and then wow. it was like La Boom um, and then kind of like it just from there like you know it, it's kind of it's something you you delve into and I was very lucky that I like also I think lucky and lucky unlucky because I would have liked to maybe try a few smaller gigs but I'm actually way more nervous for the smaller gigs like I'm terrified of a small room with like like I'm terrified to to perform in like a smaller like less modern venue but like a more kind of non-industry venue kind of
0: yeah it says it's a bit like it's because it's more intimate Where with the larger venues feel like the crowd is further away so you're more in your bubble yeah. kind of
1: well actually it's not even I think it's kind of like who's there like I know it's kind of the fear is because when you make alternate music and maybe you find it in terms of making alternate kind of like theater and stuff like that is like you just it, you want the right crowd to be there uh, because you're I don't know like I think you know, if you're doing something different, you want you're there's always that fear that you know people might not get it or it might not be good or you know and and kind of um, I suppose it's something I need to work on for sure. But it's like that interpretation of like if I'm performing in my small town and that like you know those start it's never happened. Like I actually performed in my small town and it was like it was great, but like it's still that fear that like oh maybe they won't get what I'm saying or maybe I'm a bit of like an outsider if I perform to this group where it's an industry kind of thing safe because people are more open they're more used to mm. different genres but i suppose that's me being presumptuous you know
0: <laughs> yeah and but going back to the performing aspect mm. of it as well i can certainly understand like if you would come primarily i suppose from you know acting and being on stage like in mm. plays or sketches and that type of thing you know because you were going back and you were saying that uh, you know you couldn't open your eyes mm. for the first two or three performances you were doing when you were doing music so obviously yeah. that's understandable because if you're coming from a different medium or yeah. if you if you had focused more primarily on acting and hadn't done singing in a while of course you're going to have that because mm. you're it's performing yes I know but it's music it's a different medium it's a different style it's a different audience it's mm. a different it's a different kettle of fish altogether. Mm. so I mean obviously yeah, that's understandable that you would be nervous and you got you got to have your coping mechanisms as well
1: yeah for sure oh my god I'm telling it like coping mechanisms like Alan, honestly, you'd think I was on the intertech before you guys. So, like, there's actually, like, the, my favourite thing on some of the story to people, that, like, I performed a gig with another amazing artist called Jack Rue, who has a, a track out today. You know, should go check it out. But um, we were performing at this club, and it was only, like, it was a very kind of short set, and it was, like, around 20 minutes. And I was coming on as, like, a cameo, because I'm featured on his song called Rise, which is an absolute pop. So we are playing in this mm-hmm. club, and there's around two 200, maybe 300 people there, maybe more, actually, because it was... It was in Lost Lane in Dublin, I don't know if you know it, um, on Grafton Street, um, whatever that was, and it was like full, it was Halloween, yeah. and we were coming on around like midnight, 1am, uh, when the party kind of got buzzing, and essentially, so the crazy thing is, we, and it was actually probably why everyone was so nervous, but we were in the green, green room for, for like three hours, two hours, or whatever, waiting to go on stage, and we just heard the more people come in the crowd get louder and building and building and like it was so fun because we all reacted in different ways like there's Mm -hmm. different nerves and so like Jack essentially was uh he was just quiet uh very quiet very calm and didn't like but you could see like the nerves building up and then like there was essentially uh kind of like there was the band members as well like a lot of them were just strumming kind of mindlessly like and then like just dealing with nerves in their own way by like trying to like, you know, make sure that they're ready to go. And then like, I'm I'm also bad for this in acting. And I think it's something I got from acting. I was in the bathroom and this, I do this every time. I pace up and down saying the lyrics and I'm like jumping and like going, like moving mad and and like making weird noises. Um, And I'm just like, I'm a ball of energy pretty much like I am now. And I'm like, oh my God, let's go, let's go. Um, And then like, when you put that nerves in like a, in a kind of the same room, um, it's just, it's mental. And then when you get out there, like, oh my God, I think the relief, like, yeah. and I from anything, when you finish, it's just like.
0: Yeah, it is that thing. Oh, I don't know if you get this, but sometimes as well. It's I'm sure twat, you, you yeah. <laughs> talking about that, you must get it, like to the point where you feel like you can't relax until the gig is done. Even though you are enjoying it, you're in the moment, you're enjoying it. Obviously, the nerves are building up and you just can't really relax until you know, okay, it's done. I've done my job. I've done it well. We got the we got the reaction now. I can just let everything settle.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, when they talked to there's an interview with Benedict Cumberbatch and he talked about like how is it playing? Like, how does it feel after you've like been Hamlet yeah. for three hours? He's like, What's like the first emotion? And he just said like relief. Um so <laughs> you know, um, which is in is mad, like um, like I don't know, it's kind of it is that sense. I remember I did have to deal. Like I remember I played, I played a few gigs where I've just literally <laughs> gone to the bar straight after. I'm like, please give me the strongest drink you have, just because I was like, I need to calm down um, from from nerves. <laughs> so, uh, but also, oh my god, I think like just in in terms of that buzz is is crazy. Like, how do you find dealing with that buzz
0: actually? Because I find it hard to deal with it. The buzz when the show was over.
1: Yeah, it's that come like coming down and and trying to normalize yourself
0: i i really love it i mean i love um like when the show is over you're you're on a buzz you're on a high the adrenaline's up you know you've got the crowd they were you know you got a standing ovation uh this <laughs> we've got a couple of standing i'm not saying i got a standing ovation after every show but uh you know, occasionally Definitely. you get a standing ovation or the crowd is with you and you hear good feedback and you know yourself, it's a good show coming off. And then, you know, you share that moment with your cast mates coming off, like you're all on a high, you're on the buzz. And then there is that part of you that's on the buzz and you can't wait to, to go up to the bar and have some, uh, uh, you know, post-show drinks yeah. and see everybody and meet everybody. So... Sometimes it can be hard, okay, before a show. I will find, like, if you if you know it's your last show, you're always like, oh, last show. Can't believe the show was over. It's been such a good run. I can't believe this. But I love uh, that moment of, like, the buzz after the show mm-hmm. and, like, post-show drinks, catching up with everybody. No-no went well. You're on that high in that moment. But it's the next day that kills me when you realise, bloody hell, what am I going to do with myself now? The show is over.
1: Over. Oh, that's so interesting. And I think that's, I think that's definitely, like, an acting... Thing. like you ever hear like Felicity Jones where she thinks like every job is gonna be her last job. And mm. there's that case of inc- like that kind of inconsistent, like it's, it's never like gonna be the last job, but like it is that case of like, you know, cause it's such a creative venture and it's so singular acting, I think, you know, it's that singular project. And it's like to get that character right. I think what was even the contrast then with like music is that like, you know, sometimes I've had like, it is that kind of case because you know you're performing the same songs, you understand mm. the set it's that I find it kind of more difficult because like you will have two or three gigs in a row and you know like you have a gig next week and it's that constant and also because I think it's just because the crowd yells at you like I remember uh when actually we were supporting the Boom in Cypress Avenue and like we had to do our, our, our kind of like sound check and our line check um in kind of like Cause yeah, there's also kind of that aspect of like live instruments and stuff, but like we had to do our sound check in front of like a live crowd because we didn't, we missed our sound check because there was like gear coming in yeah. and they let the crowd in. And so essentially for like a line check, you have to check that the song is connected to the like the sound engineer's deck and stuff. And essentially they play the music for around 10 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever, and check the vocals. But because we were the first act on in front of like this ravenous crowd who'd like been waiting outside for ages, who was dying for a gig, we're all like, drunk at the stage we're all yelling at us as we got on stage oh, um, and essentially like we started the music after 10 seconds and then your man is like perfect cut it and so we had to cut it and then we stopped the music and we got booed and like oh, no. there's, there's people in the front row because obviously they don't know it's a line check they think yeah. just, like you messed up oh, and God. like there's people like in the front row and you can hear i think that's the bad <laughs> thing about theater as well because you can hear them they're giving you a beast they're all drunk at the stage they're like, fucking play a tune. So, and when are like, you
0: supposed to be on originally in that lineup?
1: No, so you're on. It's, it's like, it's the right time, but it's basically like doing a sound check, you know, like that that tech. So we had to do a sound check in front of a live audience.
0: Oh, right, right, okay, yeah.
1: But, yeah, so it's like, it's that aspect.
0: Oh, I thought you might not have been on to, like you were doing a check, but you might not have been on to later in the lineup, if you know yeah, what I mean, that's Yeah, I,
1: no, like unfortunately we, oh my God, that would have been perfect because we were like, we could have just like pretended and walked off, but we were first on, so we were starting it. And then we stop and then start again and then you get an abuse. and then that's the thing because you get live it's very much like in music it's very like an instant reaction like people will tell you their opinion straight away whereas like a theater you know they'll kind of sit through it and they'll tell like your opinion maybe after and they'll consume the art with music you have like 30 seconds and i'm like oh fuck that song and i'm like oh my god um like and then yeah it just it happened but then we played the gig and it went really really well and then the same people who were giving us abuse piece were like high-fiving us Also, oh, that's the thing like when you're performing and people are trying to grab you and um, that's uh interesting but it's great like you give them high-fives and it, it's such a great buzz you know
0: yeah and you know being a music fan and you obviously you're a film fan too um yeah i i'm i'm hoping you've seen this film i'm going to drop a reference on you now uh this is spinal tap no, I haven't. You haven't?
1: Uh, but I you... have not. It's on my list. I know it. I know it very well.
0: Because I was going to ask you, and th- this sounds like we've already covered it with your last story there, but have you had any Spinal Tap moments? You know, uh, there's some famous scenes of the band getting lost on the way to the stage, backstage, when they get the Stonehenge prop and uh, he, he gets the dimensions wrong and it turns out to be this tiny little prop that descends from the rafters. <laughs> so I was going to ask if have... you had any moments like that, but...
1: Yes, I have loads. And that's not even a, from the last one. The last one's probably the tamest. The most stressed I have ever been during a gig. Actually, there's two stories. So when we supported Sean Kingston, and this is kind of not really doing to us, but like basically it was like a rag week. Um, and essentially, actually, sorry, I have two stories. But uh, so essentially he was playing and he showed up. Like he didn't show up until like he showed up like two hours late. So we were waiting, so we couldn't go on stage until he arrived, so that was our cue and eventually it got so late that they sent us on and basically the crowd at the stage were so out of it, like one guy thought I was Sean Kingston and he was asking (laughs) me to sing Beautiful Girls and I was like I was like, dude, I am the palest man in Ireland and that is saying something, like, and he was like sing Beautiful Girls, I was like, I can try, I mean and I was like, I was like, this is so awkward, Um, and then but also, then I did something really stupid. I was like, you say, I was like, you say, I say beautiful, you say girls. And then the other crowd was like, what is this going on? I was like, it was like my second time on stage. Uh, I, I was like, it was very embarrassing. But uh, but yeah, he showed up, he played, basically, uh, we went on and then he played 10 minutes and then stormed off stage. Um, he played Beautiful Girls, Yeah. stormed off stage and then basically didn't talk to the booking agent and then just ran out. So like, and then the audience, we're like, we're in the crowd, and like at this stage, we're like, <laughs> we're like, oh my god! Um, so that happened. Another one where we had a crowd, essentially, like the, the greatest stage invader of my my musical career. So we were playing this amazing festival in Kerry called K Fest, and mm-hmm. we were closing the festival out at one a.m. and it was our second gig of the day we played with this awesome Irish language, um, band called Kneecap and a guy from uh software records called Wastefellow and um, who were amazing, Just check them out. Um, and then we were playing, like, it was like 1 a.m. We were meant to go on and we had a, a taxi kind of booked for two-ish or three-ish, but basically, um, so we were playing away and we were kind of like, okay, we need to go back to Clarny where we were staying by X and we should be fine. It might go a bit over, but that's okay. And so we're playing this crowd, and there's, again, like, there's a big enough crowd, it's like a big kind of church place, and it's like closing this amazing festival, and essentially, we saw kind of this figure moving through the crowd as we were performing, and they had like a key up, and we were like, oh, that's, that must be like, they must think it's a lighter or something, I don't know, but uh, (laughs) they were waving, and we're like, okay, cool. Then it started kind of getting closer and closer it's like jaws with like a key right. like yeah. <laughs> so essentially the girl i was playing with right so eventually she was singing a, a kind of a chorus part and like she's an amazing musician her name is blackheart you check her out um she's an amazing producer and um, but she never misses her cue, like never and so i did it and then i like was doing my part and then i noticed like Emer wasn't singing the chorus of spirited always um and i was like what's going on and then i turn around and there's this like Elderly gentleman talking to her and yelling at her, and I was like, "Uh huh." Um, he was on stage; like he managed to get up by the stage. No, like I don't know, what, like how? Where the hell? Were security? I know. They were outside. He was like, "I ah, was local," but uh, <laughs> essentially, essentially, like she was yelling, right? And I was like, "Oh, is everything okay?" He's like, "I, you have a taxi booked for two AM, and I have to go home." He was the taxi I was man. Like, he was a taxi <laughs> man on stage while we were playing a gig in front of like 300 people and he was like you have a taxi booked are you going I was like uh <laughs> does it look like we're going maybe maybe not and then he said this is a disgrace I have to be home I have to be up there he said let's see live
0: like, on stage
1: That's yeah brutal. and we were just like oh my God. he then he got his phone out and called his boss right oh, for fuck's and sake. then his poor boss like I was standing there earlier I was like He was like, here, talk to the boss. And I was like, hello. And she's like, hello, who's this? I'm like, who's this? And then I was like, I can't take your taxi. And she was like, okay. (laughs) She said, I was like, she says, okay. But then to the people in the crowd, they thought I had gotten like news that like someone had passed away or something because they thought (laughs) it was like this big emergency. Like, why would you bring a phone to the stage? Who was this elderly man at this festival? Why was he yelling at us? Um, And then eventually we were like, he said, well, F.E. all anyway, and ran out, and he was like, disgrace, disc-. and then, <laughs> the first thing was, right, we were now stranded in Clorgan, and we had to turn around, the first thing we said after that happened, I was like, is anyone going back to Killarney from the crowd, <laughs> and so, the only person out of the entire thing was, the sound engineer was kind enough to drop us back to Killarney, um, and then, we were like, we just couldn't get over it, and uh, like, that was the most memorable thing that happened, and we had like a belly dancer or a burlesque dancer in our set, and that was <laughs> like, and she's amazing. Oh my god, uh, yeah, Bonnie, she's amazing. Uh, but yeah, that was like scary. That was terrifying. Terrifying.
0: You'll always have the memories, and that's what's great though about this type of thing. As bad as it is in the moment, I'm sure you weren't laughing at the time. But now being so far removed, you do look back at those kind of things and you just say, "Oh, that was actually hysterical." And that's a story that you can tell now for the rest of your life.
1: Exactly, man. Well, actually, I have a funny story from the last gig I played before lockdown. When was
0: actually, the last gig that you played before lockdown, coincidentally?
1: February 2020, right oh. before the end of February. So literally, we played um, UCC Rag Week, and it was the grand opening of the new Cypress Avenue. And we played with such an amazing lineup. Uh, it was like DJ uh, Jenny Green. We had like Jason Gabby, JLOL. Oh, my God, Like stop. So it was an absolute like privilege to be on on that kind of set, um, and gadget cloud, and all these cool cool people. Mm-hmm. And like, what actually happened though is that we <laughs> we had a slight overlap in terms of they had this absolutely, and I mean, amazing. So there's like three rooms going at the same time. So we were like the alt indie room, mm-hmm. and then they had like the classic Golden Olies kind of cover band room, and then they had like the main people in the upstairs like Chasing Abby, Jenny Green. But we were on the same time. It was very funny. Because like for the first two songs we were on and basically someone had left the door open in like the room. So there was, a, and there was an ABBA tribute band playing in the main room. So basically when we tried starting, and they had a much louder sound system. Yeah. So we were doing our stuff and then you hear like I was rapping away. And then all of a sudden the music started getting a bit different in the flow. And all I hear is like, give me, give me, give me a man. Like, I was like, oh no. Bit of dancing queen. Exactly. I was going with it. They're like, Dancing Waterloo. And I was like, rapping over Waterloo. And I was like, you know what? This is actually, this might be an idea. Well, I got to um, say,
0: I do love a bit of album and myself. Like, they do get exactly. you going. Like,
1: not, not surprise Abba though. I think you need to be ready for Abba, but not when surprise. Yeah, you're, like, trying to be <laughs> you just bring cool. on, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm like trying to be cool and edgy and like you know tough and stuff. And then next just Abba comes on, and you have to pretend not to dance. Yeah. you have to pretend like you're not enjoying it. And you're like, oh my god, I actually. Love Voulez-vous? I'm, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, and I'm like, oh, but I'm tough, you know. Like I'm rapping yeah. about being cool. Um, but yeah, no, I, it was great crack in the end, um, and that was my last. I did something very embarrassing, I took a, a selfie with the poster, I post my name on the poster um, and I was doing, I was I was out of my mind I think, I, yeah, I was just like going around and I was just buzzing, gigging uh, but yeah, it's the best night, oh my god Cyber Sabbath, amazing place
0: Well, I mean, like, I'm delighted they had a great night that night because, you know, obviously the next month, it was everything was up ah. in the air, going like ah. March 2020 so, like, how was that adjustment period for you um, mm. going from the live crowds the live performances like in terms of music because i can only speak for like acting and theater but in terms of mm-hmm. you know a thriving on the rise music career playing gigs how did that adjustment affect you
1: it was it was strange and i think i'm actually this sounds very weird because i know where you're in but i think i'm only kind of coming to terms it really now in terms of like how it is when you have like your usual kind of gig system set up and and you know you realize that you might not be playing like I was very lucky like to play a few live streams and, and kind of do a few various things and like I, I put out a like I put out a single the start lockdown and then essentially I kind of I don't know like it kind of from there it's very much like that adjustment period is very weird and I think like many people I was like kind of in almost like a creative rush um which I'm, I came out of luckily but like it was like a couple months where I was like oh I don't really know when i doing in terms of like how to create music and, and stuff like that and um but yeah I think I think few people would like just go through writer's block um how was it for you
0: yeah I mean it's it is it is tough you don't know how to proceed um and mm. I was really 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 down like mm. I mean for almost the entire month of March I was really mm. really down it didn't like, I'm thankful in a way for a thing getting to do things. I'm sure you found it yourself that you do things mm. that, or you find time now to do things that you wouldn't have done ordinarily. Like, if it was any other year, you probably wouldn't have committed to them. Like, I learned to drive mm. in the first year of lockdown, which I'd never learned Congratulations, before. man. I still am, I'm still waiting on the test. I'm still one of the 180,000 people waiting. Yeah, but, good luck uh, for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it was something that I don't think I would have done if I carried on as normal. If mm-hmm. lockdown didn't happen, I probably would have... Uh, been just kind of doing what i was doing before doing show after show or maybe mm. going abroad again or do, doing whatever i was doing but it was nice to have that kind of time but it wasn't until april when i really snapped out of it and tried to and said to myself mm. okay i'm going to take advantage i'm just going to make the most of the time and use it as creatively and productively as i can i have to do something Yeah, mm. uh, which i'm sure you found yourself like was it similar for you
1: yeah well fair play for doing all that i think for me i would see maybe creative rot is the wrong terminology because i found I was so invested in terms of like when the pandemic hit, of terms of like the global scale and, and kind of what it meant to, to people around you and friends and family. And mm-hmm. um, like, so through that March period, I was like, fine. And then I kind of was on top of music. And then I think, you know, yeah, I think kind of in that terms of creative point, because I think, you know, obviously like I'm working as well. So it's kind of that weird trying to manage music while working and also kind of trying to figure out, you know, kind of who or what I, Really wanted to do and like kind of that reflective part, but like I, you know, I think in terms of like um, you know, venturing at act, like acting and other stuff. Like I did sign with like an agency during lockdown, mm. which is pretty pretty cool. Um, so in terms Fair of play. acting, congratulations! Um, yeah, thank you very much. And I think that even that transition kind of aspect as well. And and but I think it's trying to figure out kind of it is the, like you said, like is that more? It's like committing to stuff, and I think it's also like this kind of time of reflection. I think we talked about it before, and it's kind of like perspective. Yeah. Um, because yeah it's just kind of your perspective changes because i think when you're in a city or, or like in a very busy town or you're moving around a lot like you kind of you never take a moment whereas this it feels like you know there's that kind of hyper self-awareness or, or kind of like reflective and maybe like trying to figure out what you want to do which is i think important you know i think for everyone really i think that's one thing we need to learn we need time to process stuff and and kind of reflect on, on our journey and trying to figure out yeah. things rather than just rushing from one thing to the
0: next, you know? So funny like, to hear you say that because you're absolutely right. It is self-reflection um, and it, it is an existential crisis almost, especially now with like the creative arts, the, you know, the arts industry in general just mm. being brought down. Um, and I've, you know, for me, I've got so many ideas. I've got so many, I, I have fingers in different pies and I have so many ideas and I want to do so many things and sometimes I find it mm. hard to, you know think okay what do I want to do and it does give you that uh, existential crisis and you're trying to you, sometimes you feel like you're trying to do too much um mm-hmm. like I don't know if you find it because you're obviously like you're doing music you know you're doing acting you're working as well mm-hmm. you're you're a social media analyst you know it's uh...
1: yeah well I think it's it's that case and I think everyone goes through it and I mean like it is taking that moment and I think it is trying to find those moments as well and you know I think that's really important for, for everyone because I think it, it kind of, you know, something like a pandemic kind of reflects of, you know, how important kind of your, your like, not to be sound like all my shit stuff, but how important kind of your journey is and kind of, you know, how important your time is. um, You know, because again, like when kind of something like this a global pandemic hits, it really kind of makes reflect on kind of like your journey so far and all the things you took for granted and kind of where you want to go. And also it changes you, I think. I think it's changed everyone in terms
0: of, you know who they want to be in many cases Um, yeah like i i i I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree with that and yeah you do look back at things that you just took for granted i mean even with this whole five kilometer rule 20 kilometer rule you're like my god i can't even go to the town over uh you can't go to a shop and, and and do 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 shopping um and i know for a fact like when it comes to the to performance and it comes to theater drama acting in general i'm just the next time i'm on stage and and, mm. and i know you you do this as well whether you're acting whether you're on stage performing music mm. you, you will appreciate the moments more you they'll uh, they'll sink into you more and you 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 realize my god i took this for granted and it's just nice to yeah. be back you, you just you're taking the moment um more from Sounds now more. on i think you know you won't be taking anything exactly. for granted going forward
1: yeah, and I think that you're definitely right, man. I think it is that, like, kind of taking that moment, because I do think we we rush through things, and I think a lot of people, what hopefully is, because I think we're so focused on outcomes, and we're so focused at like, this finish line, this invisible finish line that does not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if, I think now, hopefully, people coming out of the pandemic will be able, and I mean, that can be applied to anything, to going out, to, to traveling, whatever kind of K, or even the stuff that you learn in the pandemic, like, you know, taking time to to write and read are, are kind of just taking in the moment yeah. as, as it comes. And, and to I connect
0: think, with people know. more as well, because you that's something you might've taken for granted. You know, you mightn't have seen someone for so long. And then, the, you know, for all, you know, the shit things that the pandemic has brought to the world, I will mm-hmm. say it's nice to know that a lot of people have reconnected throughout this time. And it's, you know, people are making mm-hmm. more of an effort to stay in touch and, you know, to video call. And like, that's, I'm, I'm so grateful now, because if this had happened 10, 15 years ago, we would have been screwed. I mean, like, what, my space, you know, yeah. Bebo? Uh, Bebo. What, What's what would you would have been on? My, socially. Uh,
1: my top 16 would have been moving mad, uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be mad. I would have been crazy, but, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. I think I, I agree with it completely. And I think, again, it's that kind of idea that I do think, you know, before this all kind of happened, you know, it, what makes it kind of apparent as well is that like it's a global pandemic we're all in this together Um, and even like from you know obviously some people have better situations but it doesn't matter if you're like i don't know like an oscar winner or like i don't know someone just starting acting or or, like starting music or whatever it's all kind of you know this global event has hit everyone and i think you know it is that kind of idea that we're so focused on like these external outcomes that society is maybe projected on us, whereas you know, I think there is stuff after this that will probably just take in the moment of what we're doing and how amazing, you know, that it is that we're on stage pretending to be someone else, or like performing music, and um, that you wrote, and it doesn't really matter like about the outcome. I think, and that might produce better art because people are focused on the art itself than the yeah. outcome or selling it. You know,
0: I think there's going to be a serious demand coming out of this because people have been starved for shows um festivals they've been starved for cinema they've been starved for everything to do with the arts and it really annoyed me because the you said this before we went on air and I completely agree that the arts industry has been hit the hardest because they're not even in the conversation for when things can resume I mean and I know the hospitality industry has been hit very hard but you know and we're aiming the timeline of mid-summer by the time they can even have outdoor seating but there's accommodations being made for them same with sports but the arts never get it really a look in they're going to be one of the yeah. last to to, to be opening.
1: Yeah, I think it's particularly in Ireland. But I think on that, and on a more hopeful kind of note, I think there is innovation being made. And I think from my particular, I mean, you look at what the everyman is doing, you look at like in terms of like streaming plays, like you look, I remember like the old Vic live streaming, like I was able to go to plays that I would never have been able to like get a ticket to, like watching like Faith Hill or watching Andy Scott perform. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I think, particularly in theatre, I think there's a future there where they stream performances. And you look at the National Theatre at home, I think in Ireland, obviously, we've been hit harder because maybe we don't have the same valuation, but we should because we produce amazing artists and we export them, you know? Um, But I think, you know, there is that case of there will be innovations made from this and it will change. And I think I'm hoping from a theatre point of view that it modernises it and makes it more accessible. Like, you know, live streaming something... A performance is amazing. Um, and I think that should be done so that people, especially in Ireland, because there's so many great playwrights and talented writers and actors, and, and they don't get the audience, but as you give it an opportunity to be live streamed, um, I think that's you know something they should definitely look at because yeah. you want people seeing it, you know, like you don't want them just to go to a theater. It's great to be at like yeah. again, live theater being in the crowd is like the top echelon, but you also want to give people the opportunity to see it wherever they are um, and, and kind of like off, like kind of like using that aspect of democracy in terms of yeah. who gets to see it you know no i always and applaud
0: you know the use of technology i mean i've watched zoom plays and i know yeah the old vic uh, i remember last christmas i was they were doing a christmas carol and i was kind con- i was i didn't end up getting a ticket in the end but i was i saw the trailer i was contemplating doing it and again for those big theaters like that it's great that they can innovate and because you know even before the pandemic i remember at certain cinemas they'd be doing live streams of like you know the royal shakespeare mm. company and you know plays mm. from england or the west end to be you know live cast uh, in cinemas but i suppose it must be tough as well but, you know because you do but you do miss that live feedback from the audience oh as well, yeah you know?
1: yeah 100 percent. but i think moving forward what i hope is that it's a mixture of the two you know yeah. that you have people because I, again like you know it could be the the case of once it's streaming the great thing about the internet is that it makes it international and it makes it True. live you know yeah. and it's it's you never know and particularly for writers coming up like i do think that theaters in ireland should be automatically streaming stuff and i mean the every man have done amazing stuff in that case yeah but like trying to partner with someone to to get it out there and, and you never know
0: who's who might like, see it, it. Be,
1: exactly yeah. because there's people obviously there's now we're living like a like, you know a content on demand world and and like you know whether it's you know they see a play and they think wow that would be great for like a netflix like adaptation or, or something like that or you know it's just those those options are, are limited and the fact that there's so much more kind of art out there and there's so much more demand for air like yeah um, I think it's really exciting that's yeah i just think it's, it's really exciting but obviously being there is amazing well yeah i miss it so
0: so what do you think going forward the future for music is in terms of doing live gigs for example like you know we, we don't know what the timeline is for either theater or music live, live musical performances to return but when they do um i suppose theater can be more contained because the audience is away from you but a music mm-hmm. as you s- touched on earlier people are going to be you know touching mm-hmm. you you know um mm-hmm reaching out touching me <laughs> touching you I couldn't resist uh so imagine, imagine. How, how how is because you need that i suppose in, in music as mm. well or do you think that music will go uh the way of theater and be a bit more contained the audience be pushed back they won't be able to you know have their hands up on the stage interacting with the mm. act in that way of old
1: yeah well i obviously i hope that it goes back to the to the way it was because i think the buzz there and, and just being having, again, like you said, that live feedback, and I think, well, music music fans are, are far more assertive in their live feedback. But um, essentially, you know, I, I hope it does go back to that eventually, but I mean, right now you kind of take anything. I mean, if you have that aspect now that, like there's the vaccine, which is an amazing mm. scientific achievement, like the vaccine's there, the rollouts there, and whether, you know, people are like proving that they're vaccinated or whether it's spacing or whether it's like bubbles. I saw there's like people in bubbles or squares um, and it's that kind of thing you know like that you can go with people and I mean I think the future is if I do think I think maybe festivals where you can kind of move to stages and stages I think yeah. there might be more festivals where it gives people a reason to be spread out I yeah think that's what I'm quite hopeful of in terms yeah. of having you know that kind of aspect where like you know because there's only like, I think it was 0.1 or something of the the kind of infection rate came from from outdoor interaction where people can have a master outdoors. And I think Mm. hopefully it might be outdoor gates that I I think might be the future of key unlocking the music industry and getting it back in. Um, And also I think the demand for festivals will go up. um, And I also think there will be kind of I think it's those mid-level maybe that might struggle where you have like everyone in a box room and uh, you're, everyone's like jumping around. I think that might be, might be tough to get back. But I think, you know, there would, there is a case there where we have everything spread out um, and everything kind of once people are vaccinated to, to kind of let them in. Um, and I think that's kind of the hope. That's what I'm hoping. And you have the spaces, um, you know, and I, I think there is some aspect there. It'll be weird. It's weird. I've seen some of my friends play it um where they've had like people spaced out but i think you know you just take anything and i mean you know it might be fun having that aspect of chatting to the crowd um which would be cool and i suppose just getting out there and and performing songs and i mean people are dying for gigs. you know people are
0: yeah so and um in terms of your music career obviously i know Mm -hmm. now we're still in the midst of the pandemic but um from now until when we come through the pandemic and you know for the for for afterwards as well what what are your plans then or what are your goals as far as your music career goes?
1: Yeah, well, I have uh, kind of two ra- very random things to look, but uh, firstly, I have a single coming out on, uh, like it will be out by the time goes out, but it's coming out April 30th, and it's me, it's actually by an amazing new Irish artist called Jacqueline Kennedy, and um, I'm featured on it, it's called Queen, which I'm very excited about, um, and then also, that same week, I have, I've contributed to music on, I don't know if there's any Brazilian people, but essentially, uh, it's, it's going to be on Brazilian TV, um, a documentary called Mr. Dreamer, Um, And I've kind of contributed music to that and also made an appearance, um, which is, that's kind of what I have kind of out this month. But then I think what's actually quite funny is that I think I'm going through a bit of a a kind of like, as we talk about like pandemic changing, I think I'm actually transforming kind of genres and I'm actually like in a stage of kind of changing like kind of what this all means or or kind of what, you know, I, I am as an artist. And I think I'm transitioning like from genres and kind of debating you know what is the kind of next step what is the next advancement and i think right now like i'm writing a lot of a lot of uh like electro really kind of heavy pop songs like pop pop like bubblegum pop and mm. um, uh in those kind of aspects in like the vein of kind of like the 1975 maybe not the right people but like baby queen and, and all those people and i think really what this year is because i've kind of been i've only released one single uh since the pandemic and i think like, I'm really excited about my my new kind of stuff, which I think the EP or whatever moniker I'm under will be called Rural Wi-Fi oh, as okay. uh, a joke to, to being stuck in rural Ireland. Yeah. But uh, to, it, it's that kind of transfer. I think I'm like, I am transforming as an artist. And I think, you know, there my next goal is to put out something that, you know, that I feel, and I feel like I haven't reached it yet, but I, something that I feel is 100% authentic, to you know what i wanted to do at the start um, was be that mixture of genres and and stay kind of true to that and kind of put out the best version of what i had planned that i can possibly put out so the best version of whatever the musical version of me is so yeah wow that
0: makes sense that's cool well best of luck with all that I hope it all pans out i look forward to the new single as well the new EP oh, really, um, any advice for any kind of up-and-coming um, musicians or singers who want to break in or what would you tell or what would you even go back and tell your your younger self your yeah. oh
1: god Um make some socials so that people that can tag you so you don't find out basically obviously like yeah so you don't find out that you're in the Irish Times two months later <laughs> uh, rather than you thought um, I would say you know there's great resources uh one would be do your research and get to know get to know the industry it's a very open industry in ireland and mm-hmm. um, get to know who kind of like everyone around it and um, yeah i suppose just like you know a, a good start is half the work just put yourself out there and, and kind of just even pick a song that you believe in you don't have to write an album or an ep you know put a song uh, even if it's a demo or just something like it might not even be 100 finished you know if you have this demo and you're obsessed with but you don't haven't found the right producer to finish it or you know you haven't got the money to finish it just send it out to people see what they think get some feedback and and just kind of like engage in the community because it is welcoming very welcoming in ireland and we have a great scene of you know great artists and, and kind of great industry people as well and and you know put your kind of net out as far as possible i mean like with my first EP, i was very lucky to, to go over to london for like a radio interview Ooh, yeah. um with like loads of other artists who are doing amazing and you know just go for everything like just you know put the it will be late nights uh you know there's no harm if you want to go to the pr route um and kind of get them to the push your single there's some amazing pr people are if you want to go do the route yourself and um, you know just kind of figure out who you are and i suppose just go for it there's absolutely no harm in you putting music out into the world like there's there's absolutely no negative to it um and you know when you look back you know you can say you did it and you created that and that's you so yeah (laughs) that makes sense
0: well listen, Kieran, it's been great catching up with you. So I think we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll end on a high on this episode. So thank you so much um, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed our chat. We've chatted, we've chatted through pretty much everything now at this stage. It's been great catching up with you.
1: Oh man, absolute privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me and, and for just providing a great conversation. And I had an absolute great time. And oh man, the fact that you're wearing like also the, the Batman t shirt is awesome as well. I forgot to say that. But man, okay. absolute privilege. Uh, fair play to you and everything you're doing, and just congratulations, man! Awesome, well yeah, done
0: to you. do you have any uh social media handles that people can find you or follow I you on? I do.
1: Speaking of Star Wars, uh, so you can get me on my Insta at Darce underscore Vader Insta, so it's D A R C E, which is a joke. and um, so yeah, and or you can just get me uh Darce on Spotify or Facebook or whatever, you know. But thank brilliant, you so brilliant. much, and
0: you've got your new single coming out at the end of april i'm sure now by the time we air this it will be out so please do check it out and yes it's been great catching up with you and well done to you kieran on everything you're doing congratulations to you too brother thank you so much well that about does it and wraps us up here nicely for episode two of creative sessions with creative people thank you so much for listening really hope you enjoyed um yeah i want to wish kieran all the best in his music career hopefully he can get back on that stage once covid um eases off and restrictions ease off and we're free to perform in front of crowds again really wish them the best and yeah thank you so much for joining me and see you next time